And now, welcome to The Approach with Jeremy Seaholm, Danny Finn. Welcome to episode seven of The Approach. I am your host, Jeremy Seaholm. And I'm Danny Finn. Are you going to count every single episode or do you think eventually you're going to lose track? You know, I have to think about it each time. Do you? I do. Because I'm like, is it six? Is it seven? Is it four? I have no idea. I don't. I don't know how... I don't know. I only know like this five Rockies and then even them, they started just going with the last name because they couldn't keep track of numbers. So <laughs> I, I figured after five, we were going to stop counting, but all the power to you. So we have Amy Doobie coming on today. Yes. Our first uh, first female guest. Yes. And so that's very exciting. And I, it was funny, too, because I remember, you know, Eric said to me at one point, he's like, you know, how come you don't have any women on the podcast? I was like, actually, we have Amy coming in in a couple of weeks. Oh, nice. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm obviously a very accomplished bowler. Yep. She has a world record. Yep. So she corrected me on that one because I thought it was a state record. So my bad, Amy. I mean, 480 is incredible. That's incredible for anybody. And I love, and she, you know, talks about it more, but I love the fact that, and you hear the story a lot, wasn't even keeping track of her, of her total. She was more focused on that game. I'm, I'm learning more and more that people that throw their high scores don't keep track of their, as, it, as it's going. I have such a hard time with that. I'm terrible. I honestly don't think I can ever not look at my score. I, I, unless it's paper and pen and I can't look back, I don't think I'm ever going to get out of the habit of looking up at the screen. Yeah. I always have to do math. I don't. I don't know, because once you rattle off like three or four in a row, you're like, where am, where am I? At? Exactly, exactly. So maybe I got to get better at that. But that is that is a sign, like you're saying, no, nobody's like, well, I knew I needed nine to get. People usually don't say that. They usually tell you, I didn't even know where I was at. Next thing I know, people are telling me I did this, that, or the right. other. So, right. But, you know, excited to have Amy on. It was uh, her, she was willing to come down because she's New Hampshire bowler. That's a hell of a drive just to come yeah. and talk bowling. So much appreciated for that. So we'll get Amy in and we'll start that off. Great. Well, hello. Hi. <laughs> so glad you came down. Yeah, it was quite the drive, but no, nope, not too much traffic. A little bit of traffic. Yeah, I had a little bit of traffic coming down. I was coming down from New Hampshire myself. I think we're on different sides of New Hampshire where we were coming from. Yeah, so. kind of on the East Coast. Yeah, so I was somewhere closer central, almost in Vermont. So. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's um, a drive. Because Kate made the joke. She's like, maybe we could have picked up Amy on the way. But <laughs> I think she, and I said, we would have had to drive her back. Oh, I would true. do that for Amy. <laughs> Kate's amazing. I love her. <laughs> So welcome to the show. Glad you came down. Thank you. No, were you from ori originally from Maine at all? No, no. So you, no relation to the the doobies that ran Vacation Land. I don't think so. Um, like my grandfather was one of thirteen, and right. so there know, is a chance. There is a chance, yeah. and uh, originally chance. my family is from Quebec and Maine, so okay. it's possible distantly, but not that I'm aware of. I just figured his same last name involved in can open bowling. I'm like, it's got to be. Yeah. Right? I mean, it could be in the bloodline somewhere. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we talked about that a little off the air with Richie Myrick oftentimes gets confused as being related to Dan Myrick, and there's no relation there whatsoever. He got so mad at me. <laughs> <laughs> so... Now, you you run the Exeter Pro League. Yes. Did you start that, or was that something that started before you got no, involved? No, that actually started way before me. It was originally started in Exeter uh, by Robert Carr and Deb Regan. I, I had to have been early 90s, if I were to guess. I didn't bowl in it when it first started. I actually never bowled in it when it was at Exeter. I subbed a couple of times, mm -hmm. but I hadn't officially joined. Um, I joined right after that. It was moved to Park Place Lanes for quite a few years there, yeah, too. It was a long time. Yeah. That's um, when I had first ever heard of it. It was at Park Place. Yeah. Yeah, I had heard about it. My father bowled in it when it was in Exeter, so that's kind of why I subbed and what have you. 
Um, but I bowled in it for a ton of years when it was at Park Place. Park Place was my home lanes. It's where I learned how to bowl and grew up there. And you still bowl there at all? Or? No, I haven't bowled there. Right now, Exeter is my home lanes <laughs> in it. Rob and his staff are just amazing. And how, it's, how close is Park Place to Exeter? I've never been to Park Place. Um, it's not that close. It's at least 30 minutes away. So okay. Salem or Wyndham, really. Wyndham, New Hampshire versus Exeter. And I would say 30 to 45 minutes away. It's not super close. How yeah. did you get involved in taking over the league? Or so, Peter... What's your, what's your official role in, in Exeter? Um, I guess I, you'd say I'm the president. Okay. Um, I don't really give myself a title, <laughs> per se, but... And that's what I would call it. Um, so Peter Pereira was running it, and then, he, as we know, he moved. Mm -hmm. um, and I just kind of said, I'll do it. Because I, I really, really love that league. And really, it's a bowler's run league. You know, right. I didn't really want it to be taken over by a house, change format, change whatever. So I said, I'll just do it. Okay. Just crazy, if you ask me. <laughs> but, um, that's about it. You know, I had a lot of help um, starting up with um, from Craig Holbrook and Joe Smith. They both kind of seasoned bowlers and kind of helped me out with, I don't know, running it, you know, getting what's a good idea? Is this a good idea? Should we do this? That kind of stuff. I mean, it's a, it's a pretty straightforward yeah. format. I mean, it's yeah. just... It really kind of runs itself. Like, it, it there's really a does. work I do behind the scenes and whatever, but it's, I mean... The, even the draft list this year is is pretty big. No, is this one of the biggest draft lists you've had in a long time? I know bowling, in a long time, yes. Yeah. Um, back when it was at Park Place, it was you know first of all more lanes and all that, but it was right. that was probably the biggest it ever was in my experience. Right, because before it was twenty four teams. Yeah, that was only one year that we got to twenty four teams. That was the first year I took it over. We got um, full twenty four teams, and that was a year there was there was a draft, but everybody on the list got put on a team because that's how many bowlers right. we had. Now, did you base how many teams based on how many people signed up for the draft? Yeah. So if, at least that's my memory. Like now, obviously, there can only be 12 teams, right. 12 captains and all that. That was my memory. So if you had, say you had 60 people or whatever, same same type of thing. Because back then it was also two women and, well, it was supposed to be two women and two men. The first year I ran it, we actually had some three and four man teams because mm -hmm. um, we didn't have enough women sign up for it that year. I know that's one of the issues, and you and I have talked off off the podcast and online about it. Why do you think it's so hard to get women to bowl in some tournaments? I really don't know the answer to that. Because the women who do are very avid bowlers. Right. Mm -hmm. I do think part of it is you don't have as many women who think they're competitive, not that they're not competitive, or maybe they're nervous to sign up for a tournament, especially with seeing some of these bigger names mm -hmm. out there and the scores that they throw. Uh, back when I was younger, I mean, you could fill the ladies international like that and, right. and you have six, seven women on a team. And over the years, it just hasn't, it just hasn't been there. Like this year, we tried to run it and I couldn't get more than five teams to sign up. So it's just at that point, it's not really a team's tournament, so right. we kind of scrapped it for this year. Hopefully next year I'm going to try again next year. I wish I had the answer to that. I really yeah. don't know. Well, and, and, and like everyone else has said, I mean, it's pure numbers. Too. Right. Yeah. I, mean, I mean, back in the early 90s, late 80s, early 90s, there was 50 women on the tour. Yep. Well, when you look at it, Corey had the book. Uh, what was the the highest amount the men's had 204 male bowlers like they don't they're not stepping that either right so right right the numbers general, i think are down across the yeah. board I, I feel like we're almost getting an uptick i i felt like right before covid i know i talk about it too much but out on the bear 
we were filling every mm -hmm. handicap tournament we did. I noticed pro leagues were getting 70, maybe even sniffing 80 bowlers. New England Candlepins, how many paid entries did you have for the last one? We broke 100 last time. So that's awesome. Now some people re do re-enter, so it's not 105 unique bowlers, but... Right, well, still, though, yeah. But it's still 105 right. paid entries. Things seemed, like you said, they were on an uptick. COVID pulled a little bit back, but now it seems like maybe the wall's starting to get broken down a little bit, where, I mean, I'm looking at that extra list. Like you said, it's the biggest it's been in a long yeah. time. And on, on both sides of the of the page, uh, men and women, we have two new captains this year, at least so far. Um, Bobby Witt decided to join this year, which is great. New bowler, rookie. Uh, yeah, yeah. I don't think you have you heard of him. I've never. No. I'm, hopefully, we'll get him on the show one day if he gets good. Yeah, <laughs> give it time. I, he definitely has promise. Uh, we have a couple of people coming down from Maine this year. That's the other yeah. thing. That's uh, Tim Matera will also be a new captain this yep. year, and I believe he's new to the league. I'm not sure he's ever bowled in it. Now you you can be a captain with. Without ever bowling in that league, correct? Yes. Okay. It's, we just strictly take the top 12 averages, um, and even if it was a female coming in, okay. she would be a captain as well. Have you had female captains before? Years ago, we had, the league had dropped to three bowlers, lack of entries type thing, and there was, a, a Lynn Thompson was a captain, I believe Joanne Rosano was a captain that year as well. Two solid bowlers? Yeah, yeah. And um, since then, no, there hasn't been any female. I was about to say, Maddie's got to be Close. She was oh. very close a couple of years ago. She was just on the cusp of being yeah, a captain. I could see that. I could see somebody like Mario being on, on that list of just possibly cracking it. Absolutely. So, But it's great to see that it is, is you're getting a lot of new bowlers. I think I, I just happen to look over that list, and you're having people that maybe haven't signed up before. I know um, Matt Nichols has never bowled in that league before, and he right. was almost the captain until you had a couple more people add in. But then, like you said, Bobby Witt's in there. Did you say Jeff Surrett signed up as well? No, oh. um, I heard he's thinking about thinking it. Thinking about it. So, Jeff, so. I already called you out so that you signed up, so now you have to. <laughs> I, I mean, I always enjoyed the, the year I bowled in it. When I was at Park Place, I loved it. I'd get there early, go to the, the little cafe, get mm -hmm. breakfast, you know, giant, juicy breakfast sandwich <laughs> or whatever. And it, it was just it was just fun. Like the last time I subbed for Brian. You subbed for Brian, so I was going to tell that story. <laughs> so, we had Jeremy sub for Brian, and I. I have a longer ride home than Jeremy does. I drove up with Chris Parkinson. He gave me a ride every week and drove me all the way back to his house. He was living in Midway at the time. I think he has moved since. Then I drove to my house in Franklin, which is where I was living at the time, called Jeremy and said, hey, did you have a good time? And he, what did you say to me? I'm still here. <laughs> <laughs> so... I think he enjoyed it more than uh, he remembers how much he enjoyed well, it. I mean, you're just sitting around the table. I mean, I think you were still there. Um, oh, yeah. yeah. And it was it was like me, Nate, Slink, Sean McKinley, for those who don't know, who may be listening for the first time. Just all just buying rounds of beer and just hanging out. Just a great time. And I, and I, I miss that a lot. I agree. It's definitely, I feel like it's unique for a league, and um, like I've even referred to it as like a mini mixed worlds every mm -hmm. every month, because yeah. it, they are, it's two women and three men, scratch, and you're going against some pretty big talent every yeah. month, yeah. and there's, two matches. There's no there's no match, like I'm bowling, you know, I've bowled in several leagues, and I'm not going to name any leagues or any teams, and I'm sure I've been on some of these teams where people go, we can almost take a break this week because right. it's not a tough tough match. You don't get that at that league. Every match is tough. You have to really right. bring it every week yeah. because there's just so much talent there that you don't know. Well, especially when it was dropped down to 12 teams because now that 
kind of shortens the pool a little right. bit. It, it strengthens the league a little bit more. I think kind so of, too. You know, drops up with the lower averages that may sign up. You know, probably maybe not get drafted. So it, it kind of brings the competition up. I think so too, and I think that was one of the best things for the league that happened when we moved it. Is it, like you said, it kind of like concentrated that. You know, and a lot of people it's now kind of become their goal like if they don't get drafted well i want to step up my game oh, i want to you know like i want to be drafted next year and i think it's it's helping the competitive nature of the sport i 100 percent agree i bowled in it last year and absolutely loved it um i was very nervous going in and it was something that i always said maybe someday i'll be good enough and because of covid it didn't have quite the numbers and right i got a little bit lucky i think and got drafted now you're seeing. I, I just want the record to be shown that I told him from the beginning he was going to get drafted. He did. He did. I wasn't surprised. I know <laughs> I was, you were. But. I was very surprised. Um, I, as I was telling you right before we started talking, I shut my phone off um, after a couple people that I know and I bowl with had already drafted their two guys. I had shut my phone off thinking, well, that's that. Not disappointed, but I always just kept saying, okay, I'm getting a little bit better every year. Maybe someday I'll make that roster. I know this year is going to be much tougher, but you know, I can tell you if I don't make it this year, it's just incentive to you know keep bowling and keep trying to get better and eventually try to get back on that in that league if it doesn't happen this year. I mean, I, I told you because people know you. People like you, and, oh, and, and that's the thing. <laughs> it, well, and that's what sometimes it comes down to in that league is who knows who. You know, if, if you have a couple of your friends left next to somebody who you may not really know, you might go with their, You might go with your friend. I mean, it's, I agree with that. That's well, that's what. Well, again, what surprised me about that is one of the, per, the one of the people that was drafting. Chris Parkinson was the captain last year. I bowled with him before. Not upset he didn't draft me whatsoever, although we finished above him. Uh, <laughs> is when he when he was drafting, I thought, well, maybe if he goes two females by the third round, in the fourth round, it wasn't as deep as it's been in past years. It's not as deep as it's going to be this year. Maybe he'll take a flyer and pick me. Once he picked Justin Scally in the third round, and again, great pick. I would have picked Justin over me as well. Completely understand <laughs> the pick. I had shut my phone off. I was working at the alley. Oops. Sorry. <laughs> Rookie mistake. Sorry, you bought it. <laughs> I... I'd shut my phone off figuring, okay, I'll get back to work. And the next thing I know, Brian Mayer drafted me. I've never even met Brian Mayer. We've never bowled together. So that was kind of surprising to me to get drafted by somebody I hadn't even met before. That's one of the things that I really enjoy about the league, too, is there's really, besides the 12 captains, there's no guarantee. Right. That, you know, we can assume a lot of people are going to be drafted. But you also don't necessarily know who's going to pick you. And so almost almost every year you're bowling with different people. Yeah. And it's interesting to see who you gel with and who you don't. Um, but it's I think that makes it exciting, too. And I know she was only joking, but once we came in third and it was over, Erica Flood looked at Brian Mayer and she said, same team next year. And he turned. Do you know how hard it is to draft the exact same team yeah. in back-to-back years? It is. Because people, I, I mean, I've seen some strategies with it, too. You know, oh, I've yeah. even seen captains talking to each other before the draft. Who's your first pick? And try to plan out their their first pick after that. Oh, I absolutely believe it. I would probably be trying to do the same thing. Get a, see who you can steal. Every and, year before the draft, I actually do my own mock draft. Trying oh, to guess. <laughs> like, I don't ever publicize it or anything, but I just try to figure out how close I am yeah. to figuring out how the draft is going to go. I haven't been far off on some and others. I'm like, oh. like. Well, I think, too, we were talking about this is I think you know there's certain people that have their guys or their, you know, and I use that term with both genders. Right. They have their group. And if there's if their group is available, they'll take the person they know over maybe somebody who's two, three 
pins with a better average because they you gel they better as well. Right, I agree with that too. And, and that's a big thing is, is team chemistry because you got drafted by a great team. Yeah. Oh, I can't. I got very lucky. That I think one of the reasons I bowled much better in the second half of that season than I did in the first is I got a lot of pressure off me. At the beginning, I said, I have to be great or I'm letting the team down. I even told Brian Mayer, if you want, I can fake an injury and you can find somebody else. That's how nervous I was to bowl with those guys, but they always, and, and women, but they always stood behind me. Every bad game I had is you'll get back there. I remember I threw like a 38 half in one game in Rio pulled me aside and he said that first half means nothing bowling's all about your second half how you bounce but it just no matter how bad things might have been going that team was always there to pick you up and then finally things clicked and you know i like to think i helped the team out a little bit in the second half but that yeah i was really fortunate to bowl on that team and i think other teams may have even seen that so that's what i now, think too. now that you're already in the league and you finished in third place yeah that i mean people brought pay attention to things yeah yeah, well, and like I said, I would love to get drafted again, not to make it about me, but if I don't, it, I saw a couple of people saying who are much better than me posting, like thinking about signing up. Obviously, every good bowler that signs up lessens right. my chance, but I want that league to be successful. It's the same reason, sorry, Mike Nardone, for keeping talking about Outrun the Bear, he called me out on it, is I want to see the best bowlers bowling. Even though if it hurts my chances, I want that league to have the best of the best. We need to have that premier league. I agree. And I think that that's one of those leagues. There's potentially an opportunity this year. Not Nothing's finalized yet, but um, we may get Bob Lee to come down and film some of the matches this year. I think you are, because he told me he was doing oh, that. Oh, that's amazing. I haven't yeah. got a confirmation yet. I think that's the plan, because we were talking Thursday, and we were, we were going back and forth, and he was asking me about the Friday night and Sunday night when I explained, or Sunday morning league, and when I explained that once a month, he said, oh, the one I'm filming. Good. So oh, I think good. he planned on doing I hadn't heard that. actual confirmation yet, but I yeah. knew that he was interested, and I mean, he does an amazing job, too, and he even... Does. Even that, I hope, will promote the league and um, the sport in general. Just because like, you, we've seen some really great matches there. I agree, and I know he even told me that he placed an outrun the bear. I forget exactly what place it was, somewhere between fifth and eighth, because he he did the broadcast with Richie Myrick for the final fours for outrun the bear, and he won some money for outrun the bear, and he told me he already put that money into more equipment for wow. streaming. So it seems like not only is he trying to do that, he's trying to get better. He's trying to put more money into it. And, I think it creates more excitement for the game. I do too. I think it, it I, it's just exposure in general is. is great. And, you know, all the individual matches for, you know, the Nico or the Cheeches, mm -hmm. I think that helps promote the game too. And exactly. I know, like, my mother in law and um, my sister in law, Carrie, who created all of our logos, has they'll watch a lot. They know a lot of the bowlers because of Chicha, because of Nico, because of New England Candle Pins, and even the ACST. Yeah. They, they've seen these bowlers, they see the name on the back, and then not only that, Bob gives a little bit of bios of who the bowlers are and things like that. So I think that helps explain who's who for people who don't necessarily bowl or aren't part of that tight-knit right. community. So. And it's funny because he came down, I, I don't even know why he came down. Did he just come here to practice like a couple times? Honestly, From he was here on a match. I think I was bowling, I want to say I was bowling Dan Castle, and he was here and he was showing me these notes. I had no idea who he was. He was a Norwood bowler. He never. He didn't even bowl in this house. And then they were being streamed and he, he came up. I don't know if it was my match, but then he started doing commentating. But yeah. he said that he was watching it as a Norwood bowler and he had all these questions and statistics and everything else. And I was, do you mind if I call the match? It's like, yeah, sure, if you want to call it. Didn't realize it was going to become yeah. what it became. But well, well, he was keeping statistics, like these crazy statistics. He was showing me his little notebook. 
he's like, oh, this is from like your match in here, and like you know your uh, your second ball is seventy six percent on your object pin, your first ball, and like this and that. I'm going, ah, <laughs> okay. Well, I but told him we were gonna have right. Tommy on, Tommy Olsen on, and he he goes, I'll send you stats <laughs> that uh -huh. night at like one o'clock in the morning. I get wow. a text. Yeah. But it was so cool. I mean, like the detail that he put into like every ball that somebody throws and where it goes and the percentage of splits that you get with your second, third, what out? I'm like, all right, this yeah. is way beyond calculating speed by frames per second. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> when he, I mean, he told me he's like, oh, at 19 years old, you threw the ball like 41 miles an hour. I'm like, I did not. <laughs> I'm like, I guarantee you, I did. My arm would fall off. Yeah. So he's definitely added value to the game in an area that maybe we weren't thinking of before. I don't right. think we were all thinking, why don't we get a third person in here that knows the game and get them to start doing broadcasting. We used to just film it, and you got to score when the little piece of paper right. up in the air. Yeah. So, and that was one of the things that frustrated me, is how many times do you see a bowler, male or female, make some crazy spare and fill it with a nine? You're like, wow, that was so clutch, and then find out they lost by 46. Right, like, yeah. You're like, oh, that not... wasn't as exciting as I thought it was. <laughs> so, But it's different when you know, okay, they need this mark to win the game. Right. right, and you actually real-time know. Yeah. It does definitely make it more exciting. So you guys moved the league back to Exeter where it originally started. And you said Rob started the league way back when, correct? Yes, Rob and Deborah again. So how did Rob get back into that league and run it after so many years? Well, we were looking for a new house. We were looking to kind of, for lack of a better term, condense the league and make it more concentrated with the quality and the um, skill level. And... Rob approached me, and I had actually, I'm sure I had seen Rob, I bowled, bowled tournaments in Exeter, but right. I didn't know Rob. And uh, he's like, just give me 10 minutes of your time, and we, we talked, and it was more than 10 minutes. <laughs> now, Rob, did Rob own Exeter when the league was there the first yes, time? Okay. Yes, um, And he just, you know, he loves the game. He is. Oh, he, you can see that. Yeah, he, he was a bowler himself. He still bowls occasionally, um, and he just really promotes the game. He does whatever he can for the sport. He's running tournaments all the time now and even him and his staff are amazing for all the work because they take a lot of the work off of my shoulders, yeah. which that was my was my full responsibility previously. And they're happy to do it. And the stats come out right away and it's just it makes it so that I can also bowl and not just run a league. Kaylee had put in some averages for uh, absent bowlers that some people were confused of because it was impacting their averages and whatever right. And I had messaged her and I said, you know, we have the same system. I don't run it, but Jeremy runs it in, at Millis. And immediately she said, if he can teach me anything, yeah. you know, please put me in contact. And I mean, you can talk more about that. But yeah, I mean, I don't remember what the exact like issues were. I mean, but they weren't major, major things. But she would message me and be like, ah, oh, what do I do here? And I'm like, oh, yeah. well, it looks like, you know, you did this, just move this here, then all that stuff. And they ended up working out. I think she ended up picking it up. Yeah. But, yeah. The, but the thing is, how many times not at Exeter or anything specific, but do you give somebody advice or, hey, maybe if you do, I know what I'm doing, don't worry about it. Where oh, yeah, no, She was so quick to say, if I can get better at it, let me know. Like She cares a great yeah. deal for this league, and I really appreciate you helping her out, Jeremy, because <laughs> I honestly don't had, like, no idea. Well, no, she was really like worried about it because obviously she wants everything to be accurate, and she just was kind of stuck on how do I fix this, and thank you for even suggesting. Yeah. Because that was, I couldn't have helped her. I have no idea what that software we just luckily have the same exact software right. so it worked out perfectly but i just it was cool to see somebody who could have easily said you know this is my thing 
don't yeah, bother or me. not even care to, or, to yeah, make it accurate exactly you know? but she so quickly you know wanted to get as much information that she said if you see anything else let me know like it's good to see people who care about the game always yes. trying to get it better. Mm-hmm. We can all get better at, at what we're doing. I agree. And to be open to that was really cool to see. So. They, they are, I'm, I'm not even, I know I keep saying it, but just some of the, like Rob's one of the best proprietors I've ever personally worked with. He's um, available if I have questions, if there's something yeah. that I want to tweak because I don't like the way it's being done. He's very open mm-hmm. to it. Um, and again, it's staff like Haley is, she's there every month and yeah. she, is on top of everything. She's oh, everybody really, there is fantastic. The I months agree. I was there, they were all the fantastic. The pub staff, everybody. Yeah. I have, I've yet to meet meet mm-hmm. someone there that rubbed me the wrong way. They're all <laughs> very nice. The food is fantastic. Yep. <laughs> and, I mean, he's, he's one that we would like to talk to. Yes, he's on our list. Oh, that would we be amazing. Yeah, he's, he's got a lot of stories, and he has a lot of history in the game, too. Yeah. Uh, maybe maybe one of those Sundays we go up there. Oh, I bet Bring you our would. stuff up there, yeah. Yeah, I mean... I like that you said we. <laughs> I'm confident, Dan. <laughs> I'll go. I'm being I'll positive. I'll with you and watch. How about that? <laughs> Actually, one of the things, back to what you were saying about how it's basically like a Worlds or a Mixed Worlds every week, or every month, I should say. Uh, the last month that we were up there, Kate had come along. She had promised me, but she kept saying, it's too early, it's too early. One of the things she couldn't get over is she's looking around going, I pretty much know everybody here. And we had Tommy on, and he had said one of the things he misses about this game is the family aspect of yeah. it. And I feel that at Exeter. And I, I brought that up. I mm-hmm. said, you know, I'm bowling in a pro league and I bowl in a match and three lanes down, I could hear people saying, nice shot. If I made, you know, if I had a good run going, it, it feels like everybody's together. There's 60 people kind of all rooting for each other in that yeah, house. Yeah, I agree. It's very competitive, but at the same time, like, you respect a good game. You respect a good shot. Yeah. You know, it's like, you, it, and you get to see a lot of it, which is fun, too. Yeah, well, with Tommy, so you can't play defense, right? Yeah, I agree with that. But I think it's also more of a family atmosphere now, because, I mean, back then, when he was saying this, I mean, there was, God, I mean, how many bowlers were there? Oh, absolutely. You know, a couple hundred bowlers that on a pro tour stop, our numbers are compared to that are, are way down. Yeah. So we're more of a close knit group. And wider, I think. Right. Because our reach has to be wider. Maybe, mm-hmm. you know, I don't know if this game would exist without Candlepin Chat or without, you know, before that, the, uh, what was it, the Boy Forum? The yeah, Boy Forum. I remember that. <laughs> I used to be on that. The Boy <laughs> Forum is, is what got Corey to come down to the first tournament we had here. Oh, we need the Kaleri Forum. That's yeah, the Kaleri my, Forum. That's before oh my, my time. Oh, that was so good. It was. Oh, we're going to have Hallberg. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, he'll write you a newsletter in there. Hilarious. What was somebody saying that bringing back the Nuge power rankings or something like that was that on a Cleary? Oh my gosh, I forgot oh, about that. <laughs> so, you're quite the ball yourself, Amy. Oh, I believe you have a record in New Hampshire. It's actually a world record, but it yes, is a world record. It okay. is a world record. So speak to that. It was a high. I know it was a high three game. Yep, and it was a 480, um, and it was back in 2008, and it was actually the last. Matt, well, the last week or month of the Pro League. And I don't know, I really don't know. It kind of like, honestly, was just numb that day. My favorite story about this, though, uh, back then, Craig Holbrook used to run the league. And he had, you know, we have the three-bagger, four-bagger for men and women. And he came up to me before, we, we was bowling him, he came up to me before and he said, have you hit the three-bagger this year? And I said, not yet. And so I go on, and I, I did have a really good day. I was 144, 138, and then I finished with a 198. And Is that your high single as well? Yes, yes. I'm actually still a little bitter because I missed a two-pinner um, that cost me the 200 game. Uh, but what, what box was the two pinner? If you don't, mind I me think asking. it was the ace box. And then, funny enough, so it was the two pinner was wood two, and I just 
dropped it in the gutter and just missed it. But then I went nine drop, picked it up, nine drop to finish. And I was like, mm, you, know, you, <laughs> think you add up those scores. So I came off lane. Another, I think, funny story about this. So we were on 27 and 28, the very last lanes at Park Place. And I was just on a roll, like honestly, just throwing the ball. The ball was working. It was a good ball that day. And I had a break, like I think I was waiting, it was, I was bowling against her head-to-head with Lynn Thompson that day, who also, she threw like, I think it was a 4 of 6 that day. Now do you think, sorry I'm going to interrupt a little bit, sure. bowling against somebody like Lynn, do you think maybe you not you don't have that 480 if you're bowling against somebody that isn't going to put, like does somebody like Lynn push you to bowl better? Absolutely. Uh, like I said, she had a 4 of 6 that yeah. day. That was like, it was, it was just great bowling. Right. But one of the things, I think I was waiting for her to, I think I just thrown a strike or something and I was waiting for her to finish the box and I just kind of went like this and turned to my left and there was nobody on the lanes and I went oh my god that means they're all back there and like but it didn't actually affect me which is good, good. but I come off the lanes and everybody's you know excited I was like excited and Janet Pock turns to me and she goes you just broke a world record. And I said, no, I, it's a 198. Like, it's not even that good of a, you know, like it's a 202, was it 204, 205? 204 sounds about right. And she goes, no, the, world, the triple. And I was like, what do you, like, really, no idea. And then I was like, oh my God, I was like a 480. And that's just, like, it's still insane to me. Well, isn't that the Paul Berger story when everybody was cheering? Because he didn't know what he had. He turned around and goes, what, did I throw a 200? Didn't realize he had hit the 500 for, on TV. Yeah, that's crazy. <laughs> he was looking, but, he, but I think that's when you throw a lot of these big games is you're not focused on yeah. you know, what your score is and whatever. And I was just, it just was having a good day. Right. But Craig Holbrook said to me afterwards, he goes, the minute you said not yet to that, I knew you were going to do it. And I did. I did have a triple that day. So it was just funny to me. Yeah, that's that's. Do you know Jeremy's story about how his almost 200? Uh oh, I hate this story. <laughs> no, it was this was this was at later at a Channel Fifty final, uh, not a final. It was a roll, just a qualifier. I opened triple, open spare, or something like that. Or I, I, God, I, I have it somewhere. I forget. I threw a triple. I threw two triples that straight. Wow. Ninth, and then strike in the in the tenth. Put a double on it, sitting one ninety four in a ball, two. I should have waited because I mean I'm sitting there like yeah, this. Yeah, yeah. You know. And, and I'm bowling with Hawk Hallis, and he's. I get up, and I was like, you know what? I'm not even gonna think about it. I'm just gonna get up. I'm just gonna throw the ball. Worst mistake I ever made. And he goes, Oh my God, that was amazing. That was amazing. I'm like, <laughs> like, uh, I was so. I mean, I was happy, but I was so angry. Well, you can't. That's what I think. Like, especially those of us that are really competitive. Like to this day, all I can remember is that. Two, two pinner that I missed, and, it, and that's so silly because it was such a good, it was a good and, triple. And part of me is also going, I'm like, well, there goes my chance. Right. And again, I mean, it's still ever elusive to me. I highly doubt I'll have a chance to do it. But as, I don't know if it was Dad or if it was Tommy or not, you never know when that's going to happen. Yeah. It, it could happen anytime. I mean, look at Gary Duffett. He threw a 209 at 72 years old practicing. That's insane. Or something like that. I know. I, I guess that's... that's true. I guess it could happen. <laughs> All right. Now I'm going to get my hopes this, up. <laughs> still time. This season. Oh, God, no. I'll ask you every week, have you, have you hit the triple yet? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe they'll motivate me again. That would be pretty funny. But did you grow up bowling at Exeter? No, I grew up bowling at Park Place. I started uh, when I was 11 years old in the Juniors League there. And then uh, Carol Downey actually was uh, my coach pretty much. Even now, if she watches me bowl, she'll correct me on what I'm doing wrong to be helpful. Um, but yeah, I grew up through there, you know, 
I asked pretty big kids question. league. How many kids were in your kids league? I really oh, couldn't tell people. you, but it, there was a lot because we had a big place. Too. Yeah, we yeah. had two different shifts too. So we had like the 9 a.m. and the 11 a.m. Yeah. And we had you know bantams, juniors, seniors, and I mean I don't know. We had a lot of bowlers there. Because we were talking about that's one of the things. I know Bobby Witt and I had a conversation off. We were at bowling up for a Woburn and. You really got to get the kids in, into yeah. this game, and that's what's really going to keep the game going, keep the game alive. So, you look at that. We have 21 kids in our kids league. I think Abington has close to 40. Dad was saying he had three, 360. And we probably had we probably had at least a couple hundred for yeah. sure. Um, you know, we would always take the trip to Canada every year to compete in those tournaments. We always had a big showing at the states tournaments, uh, the New Hampshire states. But yeah, I agree. I mean, I know Academy has a pretty big kids yep, league too. And even now, I'm seeing some of those kids have made the transition very recently to the adult yep, league. If you look at a few, just name Aaron and Nate Fontaine, because my wife and I, Kate, run the kids league. And so we go to, we bring the kids to states. So we see some of these kids who win. Charlie Collins is now averaging 119 in an adult league. Josh Daly was a kids league bowler who's now bowling very well in adult. So it is cool to see those kids transitioning into the adult leagues and being very successful with it. I think, as we've said in the past, it's a pure volume. Absolutely. So. I think, too, and I, I, I do listen to your podcast, and I know somebody had mentioned it. Um, like, my own kids don't bowl. Mm-hmm. They are um, four-season athletes, yeah. and it just always, the kids' leagues being Saturday mornings, always conflicted, whether it be soccer or basketball or um, softball. So my oldest just recently started picking up candle pen. I was going to ask that because I know, was it Det didn't start bowling candle pen other than just with friends? Until he was, what, 18, 19, I think it was? Yeah, I think that's what he said. I didn't start bowling until I was 23. Yeah, I think it's definitely um, one of those sports that you could pick up as an adult and become successful at it. Right. It's uh, To me, it's just practice. Like, back when I was younger, I was bowling four nights a week. And and then you look at, and Det said it, and Tommy said it as well, what made them successful is hand good hand-eye coordination. Yeah. And if you're playing these other, these other sports, you need to have good hand-eye coordination. So maybe in some of those respects, it does translate, and you can pick it up. Obviously, there's some fine-tuning and skill and things Absolutely. like that. And you know, they're going to have a very good teacher. Well, I was going to say, I was going to say, having a, a coach, like even when I was younger, um, having some of the pros at the time mm-hmm. help me. You know, like when you, I, I don't know if you're ex- experiencing a similar thing where people will kind of. Well, you're doing if you try doing this instead of yes. what you're doing, and sometimes just that little bit of coaching, you know, right. helps. We did. Uh, Kate and I went to the Dan Murphy School for Bowling. You also have a certificate that's collecting dust somewhere, I believe. <laughs> yeah, it's folded up in my closet. So. <laughs> so I have the patch too. You do have the patch. I have How the patch. time on your bowling bag? <laughs> <laughs> so there was a lot of things that I learned going to that school, but I'll tell you one of the things that made me start to become a better coach is talking to other bowlers. I don't want to rank one person over another, but the top has to be Bobby Brown. He not only taught me how to bowl better, he also taught me how to coach kids better and little things like that. Not only has he taught me things, there's things, I remember Cheech gave me advice that he heard from Nick Norcross who learned it from Bobby Brown. So a lot of times I'm hearing things. full circle. Yeah, so a lot of times I'm hearing different things to try to get the kids bowling better, enjoy it more. And I mean, one of the small, simple things that we just started doing to a few kids in our kids league that use the bumpers is if we notice that they're hitting, let's say the left bumper more than the right, take the left bumper down. 
Now it's going to force them to get the ball over. Right. Oh, and that's good. Typically, they don't go for the right bumper. They're now throwing the ball a little bit more straight. You start to see that a little bit more because they've lost their favorite crutch, basically. Right, right. And then little by little, you can correct that. Yeah, I mean, I, I told Corey that I would have benefited greatly mm-hmm. from from Bobby Brown. Because, I mean, I grew up in the in the Fairway Kids League where, I mean, Helen Slew ran a great program. But, I mean, there, was, there were so many kids, and then there's only so many instructors. Right. And, yeah, they're trying to help you with, you know, your – you can only do this like delivery. You're supposed to do three steps this way. Don't do what you're doing. Where Bobby Brown is more, okay, this is what you do. Let's work with that. Because everyone's yeah. going to be different. I agree. Yeah. Not everyone can be Dan Murphy. Right. Uh, right. You well, know? even like when someone, you know, someone will turn around to you and say, how, how should I play this? That's a difficult and that, question to and answer. And that's the other thing. Because I nobody, throw a different ball. Nobody was there to teach me how to shoot shots and stuff like that. And I, I know uh, it's funny that you say that because in our Tuesday night league, I bowl with Mike Nardone and Rob Linehan. Rob had turned to me, asked me how to play a certain shot. I told him, and then as he went to go, Nardone said to me, you know he's a lefty, right? And I had to go, oh, no, Rob, wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, but, but, but by the time, you know, when I was coming up in the kids league, she wasn't really sending kids to states. And so I didn't really know about all this competitive stuff. So, I mean, I really wasn't a very good kids league bowler. It wasn't until I, you know, teenager, I got to be a little bit better. And then I just kind of figured it out as an adult or upper teen, whatever. But I would have loved to have Bobby. Yeah. Right. And I think he, he's, he was supposed to come down and help with our kids league. And then when it was right before COVID, COVID had hit, you know, and then we were kind of on a break and whatever else. So we weren't able to get him back. Hopefully we get him back sooner rather than later and he can help coach him with the kids league again because I think our kids would greatly benefit from it as well. I, I would Absolutely. gladly take a back seat and let him coach the older kids. Absolutely. Um, and honestly, for me, I would be watching him coach and see what things I can pick up and maybe I can coach better. So I think coaching is huge in this game and making the kids enjoy it is, is really important and then trying to groom them up. One yeah. of the things I try to do here is get house bowlers to take a crack at some handicap tournaments, and then maybe they get a little bit better, get their confidence up, and then mm-hmm. maybe try some scratch tournaments. Or be crazy like me and sign up for Exeter Pro League and see what happens. <laughs> Sometimes you get lucky and somebody drafts you. But, I mean, there's only so many houses. What did Richie Myrick say? We, we used to have 52 cards in the deck, and now maybe we have 20. Is that yeah. what he said? Yeah, something like But let's that. treat those 20 nicely. I agree. Well, if you're going to all these tournaments, you're going to start to meet some of these people. And if you meet the right person and hitch your wagon to the right wagon, I guess. I don't <laughs> You can start to get more involved in the game. It's how, I'm, as I was saying, I didn't start bowling until I was 23. Um, I was lucky enough that Jeremy brought me up. He kind of vouched for me. Um, so that's going to lead me to my next question. A lot of bowlers kind of are in groups, and they get brought up by somebody. Were you brought up by anybody as far as, like, hey, come bowling this? And they kind of said this vouched for you a little bit? My father got me into, it was the Monday Speed League at Park Place when I was 17. And so, you know, I, I kind of made a name for myself there. But the first time I got asked to do uh, one of these tournaments, it was Deb Regan asked me to go up to Canada with her for the Ladies International up there. Mm-hmm. And... Um, loved it it was like I was not saying no I actually my youngest was only about 11 months old then and so I took her with me um but I was like absolutely because I had always heard about it but I had never I had never been asked 
Deb's somebody who's always recruiting, I feel like. I know. Yeah, yeah she is. I think so, too. Yeah. I've seen her at Outrun the Bear um, running around trying to get women to sign up for certain tournaments, which I think is great. I mean, we need that. I, I mean, agree. And she, you know, always, she has, one year, I think she was handing out flyers to people and asking for email addresses to get them to go bowl in a tournament up. Might have been Ladies International, I can't remember, but there it was a tournament she was, she was avidly trying to recruit up here, which, and it was a mixed double, so it was smart. That's what we right. had, I think, 44 women bowling. Yeah. But. I think, uh, I think, I, I guess I kind of answered this earlier. I think that's a lot of it is some women don't even know about these tournaments and like even with the uh, the pro league we've had a lot of women start for the first time there and then you know now they're bowling tournaments as well or right. they're you know they're, they're more comfortable and that would be ideal to me is I really really want more women to kind of be a little bit more competitive. Right. Um, like I said, with the Ladies Internationals, only getting five teams. Now, to be fair, we are coming off COVID. Exactly. We would potentially get a couple of t- uh, teams from Canada. That was not an option this year. So it is, it's a difficult question to answer. Right. But I do think part of it is, I always feel like you're, you're you had said, um, do I feel like Lynn Thompson pushed me? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And I think that you get better by putting yourself in these competitive situations and it drives you to be a better bowler, you know? And I think that that's important if we could just, right. like I think your Outrun the Bear is amazing for that because you do get a lot of women to bowl in that. So I'm gonna give credit, so ML was the big yes. reason behind that. We did, I wanna say three or four Outrun the Bears and we never. We had a few women. I think Lynn Thompson was in the first one. Um, I'm trying to think who. I know Kate bowled in the first. She used to bowl in it as well. And then little by little, she just she does too much for the tournament to oh, be able yeah, to do she's both. Um, I claim to do a lot, which is why I don't bowl. But realistically, <laughs> I just want to watch at this point. But she was doing all the stats while bowling. I want to say we had a third woman bowling, and I really feel bad that I can't think of who was it. Was it Joanne? Because I feel like no, Joanne she wasn't was at the beginning. Not in the beginning. Um, she has bowled in them since, but I, 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 we'll say it was two or three. And then a couple years later, ML started bowling in them. And then there was one year, ML was the only female bowler bowling in it. And then she said, well, why don't you run a doubles? That's going to force these guys to find women. Right. And we did two scratch, and then the numbers kind of dwindled a little bit, so we said handicap, and next thing you know, the thing had blown up. So really, Mixed Out Run the Bear doesn't exist unless ML comes up with the format. And That's awesome, and I think that was, yeah, that might have been my, I don't remember what my first time bowling in. Maybe it was singles. I can't, I'd have to go back and look, but one of the things that she said, and it's come true, is now that some women know about the tournament, when you do a singles, they might actually come out and bowl in them. And, and same as what you're saying, if you sign up for an Exeter League and you get drafted, now all of a sudden you know all these women. Right. They want to pick you up to bowl Absolutely. in a tournament or whatever else, and now all of a sudden, you know, you can hang with them and you feel like, okay, well, maybe maybe I do got this. Yeah, I agree with that. Now, do you, do you think, you, you mentioned before, your kids are having sports and stuff like that, so you weren't able to, you were only bowling once a month. Do you think that has also a big I, I really do, and um, because stereotypically, the mom is the one that brings them to the games, to the practices, you know, on top of working, on top of, you know, just general caregiving, I guess, for the family. I do think that that is a lot of times why why women can't just drop what they're doing to do a tournament or to do a league even. Um, like you said, a, a few years ago, I was only bowling the once a month league because I my kids had something every day. Yep. And it's just, and, and it's not even so much an obligation. I want to be there. I right. want to see them mm-hmm. playing in their sports and whatnot. Um, I do definitely think that, that even, even this year, like, um, for not just this year, but I've talked to a couple of um, 
the dads like can you bowl the league why don't come come join the league and a lot of it is for them their kids have sports yeah. on Sundays yeah. and they're like sorry and I'm like nope totally get that you know I mean I do think that's a big part of it. I know Kate has said the same thing with, with bowling and a lot of tournaments and things like that is she works a lot during the week to then be away from your family for the weekend. She's saying, you know, I've already been away from the kids. By the time I get home, they're, you know, either napping or sleeping and we're doing dinner, we're rushing around. I want to spend time with the kids. Absolutely. So it's tough to commit to long, especially things that are week longs and things like that. I know she's bowled in Mixed Worlds twice and, I mean, she's flat out told me that I can't bowl in it because that's her thing. Absolutely. She's only joking, but she has said that's, and, and, but yeah, it is tough and that's why we brought the kids both times. Right. um, Because people she wants to be you know with her family but she also loves bowling and it is tough when you're trying to make that decision and right I agree so. and definitely it's it's definitely be a scheduling type conflict yeah. too I mean unfortunately like my wife's I mean my wife was a bowler not a competitive bowler but she was a bowler so it was, it's hard it, I have to like pick and choose what I do right you know so like if I take a day off to, to bowl it's like all right where are we compromising to like make up that or like right. what am I going to give family up? Time, right. Or, you know, it's it's difficult, especially, you know, I work nights and then, you know, on weekend days, so it, it's it, it's tough. Like Definitely all around, it's, it's tough and there's so much things for kids to do. Like right. My, my sister. Well, said four season athletes. Yeah. yeah. My, my sister's, my niece, she, she was doing dance five days a week. Oh, wow. Well, that's insane. <laughs> Insane. High school sports especially, they have either practice or a game every yeah. every day of the week. And even so much like I joined um, the Monday Speed League at Exeter a few years ago with um, Lori Lewis. Yep. And I had to say, look, yes, I'll bowl, but if my kid has a game, I'm not going to be there. Right. And um, she was obviously very good about it and understanding about it. Right. But that's kind of like where my priority shifts. Like, yes, I'll bowl, but and um, try not – I hope it doesn't happen very often. It's one of the reasons, like, I won't bowl – uh, Tuesday or Thursday because there's almost always a game on a Tuesday or Thursday that type of thing. So you kind of do adapt your options, yeah. I guess. Well, I've even seen bowlers who are divorced. I'm not going to name names, but I'll say, you know, oh, we have out on the Barrett's in this week, and they have to tell me I got to see where the weekends line up. Right, because, right. Yeah, so I've had is, that conversation yeah, too. So. It's one of the reasons why I like to have the schedule for the pro league out yeah, early right. because if they can make it work, they if they see it, they might be like, okay, I can do these days. Right. Or Swap whether it's a even weekend work. here, or there. right, right. Also, if they're scheduling things, they can try to schedule around right. it if they can. Right. Because it is just a once a month. I do like the the idea of bowling two matches in, in one month. Me too. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's a long drive for a lot of people. We might as well make it worth it. Yeah. Absolutely. And I'm surprised with houses becoming more spaced out. I know Eric Seeger was telling me he bowls out in Bogey, and I couldn't believe he was making that commute. It's an over an hour for him when he's got a house, a bowling alley five minutes from his house. Not to say he should only bowl here. Obviously, bowl wherever you want to bowl, but that's a heck of a commute. Yes. He's got He's passing other houses on the way. <laughs> but one of the things that he had said is you bowl two matches every other week, and you bowl two matches every time you go. And I thought that's not a terrible idea. No, that's not, that's not a terrible idea. Yeah. You're there for longer, and, and even um, the idea of... You were talking about New England Candlepins changing it with uh, Richie Myrick from a three-string roll-off to two, a five-string. Five, yeah. Now all of a sudden you get people more interested, saying, "Okay, well, I'm willing to make the drive for five strings." Right. That's I a, have heard that. Too. Yeah, that's a long drive for somebody who lives out here to bowl, to go to Exeter to only bowl three strings. Right. So. Yeah, I agree with that. But yeah, and I I think I mean it was the show's original format, and I didn't want to be like, "All right, well, it's in Millis now. I'm going to change all these things." Yeah. You know, but at the same time, you want people to think it's worth it. Right. I mean, the, it, it, the game is constantly evolving, of right? Of course. 
you were talking about pro series events were only 10 stringers. Right. Now all of a sudden there's a yeah. five stringer doubles knockout that's happening in Portsmouth on September 11th. 11th, yeah. Yeah, September yes. 11th. Yes. So that would have never happened, what, 15 years ago? 20 years ago? How long ago did they shift? How old are you? <laughs> uh, they they switched to the pro series. I think it was oh nine was okay. the first was the first season. Yeah, so, so fifteen years ago, they're doing just the ten stringers basically. Yeah. And again, yeah. nothing wrong with the ten stringers. Jeremy loves himself some ten stringers. I do. Whitensville just had his ten stringer handicap. They're great formats, but it's cool to see new things coming up. And you have to, if if five stringers is going to get you what you need to get. I mean. Look at Exeter. You went from going to Park Place with you said upwards of twenty four teams down to twelve. For better or for worse, you gotta do what's gonna work for the league, for the tournaments. But I think what it was is that generation of bowlers that was bowling in the WCBC, that's all they knew. Who that, was, was just, it Craig? I forget who if it was Craig that said, you know, the when you bowl a ten stringer, I think it was Craig, the cream usually rises to the top. Yeah. Oh yeah, it's like you a know? longevity thing, yes. a stamina thing. And I know I believe it was Mark Ricci. Uh, who was bowling, doing the candle pins, had said, I don't take anything for granted in a one-string match. Anything can happen in one string. You get a couple of spreads. Somebody gets a backdoor strike with a big fill. The game's completely, I agree. completely changed. I, agree. So. I mean, that's that's what I keep saying. And, well, was it Frank? It might have been Brendan. And he's like, well, you've, you've bowled. You beat Dead Klein and Jack Ray on Comcast. And I said, it was one string, dude. Right. Yeah. Anything can happen in one string. I mean, both of them can go 300 for the next two. And I don't. You can't gauge on one string. Well, that's one of the reasons I've said, with especially with the candle pins being a one-string format, you only bowl one string, and then right. you're either in or you're out to keep going. I think it's harder to make the TV show than it is to bowl in it. Absolutely. It is. It absolutely is harder. Especially I mean, it, Channel 50 Days, sorry. Um, you, know, you still had Carrington, the Morgans. Um, Jackie yeah. Ray was still bowling. It, like The amount of good bowlers there were. I know I know. we keep beating this you know, horse into the ground. But, Poor horse. <laughs> but yeah, it is just it's the competition is just so much was so much better. Yeah. You know. Hey, did you bowl on TV? I did. I uh, made the Comcast show twice. Did not bowl well though, but uh, I did make the did show make, twice. Do you agree? I obviously you said you didn't bowl well, but is it harder to make the show in some cases? Uh, yeah, absolutely. And um, even, like, I've chased roll-offs. You know, you go to where, where I went to Orleans. That's where I qualified <laughs> for, oh, for one of my matches was Orleans. Yeah. Because I was like, I got to go. I got to try to like make it. It's a five-hour drive. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, was, uh, I just stopped for, I actually bought a map back then because I was like, I have no <laughs> idea where I'm going. But, yeah, I, bo- I made it out of there. And I made it out of, um, oh, gosh, I'm going to forget the name. In Holbrook, I think it is. Union Street. Nope, no, 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 no. I don't know. It doesn't exist anymore. Okay. But um, but again, it was like down in uh, kind of Marlboro, Raynham type area. That type area. I want to say Colonial. Is could it have been Colonial? Oh, Weymouth. Oh, Weymouth. Weymouth. There okay, it is. Yeah. Sorry, my memory's not as good as it used to be. But that was the other thing I was chasing all the way down there. Now, mind you, they had them at Academy. They had them, and I wasn't making. I wasn't making the cut there. And I'd go to you know these other houses and would make it. Yeah, that's like the second time I made uh, I made Comcast. I drove up to Gardner. <laughs> <laughs> I drove by Gardner to get here, by the way. <laughs> uh, who did you end up bowling? Um, Cindy Beatrice. Okay. 
can't remember the other one. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> I remember Cindy Beatrice because this is a horrifying story to me, but uh, one of the boxes I had, I punched the spread eagle and went through the hole twice. And I actually repeated that same thing the next time I was on TV. So for the longest time, if I got a spread eagle, it was a four box. I was like, no, come on. So you had a four box on TV? Twice. Did you ever do worse than that, Jeremy? So I'm, I'm, <laughs> you know I know the answer, right? I'm curious if anyone has ever done this. If you have done this, please let me know because I feel your pity. Three balls, three pins. Oh gosh, I, I don't think I've done. I don't think I've done that. I've done, I've done, two pin, three pin. But then you either what get you, you one did, more. So or, I the very first ball. Um, it was against Steve Vadney. Very first ball, I put the two pin. Oh gosh. Next ball, I yanked and plucked the seven pin. Oh gosh. <laughs> And then I plucked the head pin. Oh, see, that's crazy. Literally, one, three balls, one pin. I thought you were the eighth when you wanted to your second ball. No, it was, um, maybe. I'm not, I thought you went full Worcester. I don't think so. Okay, I'll go back e- and Either watch. way, but I was, I was Well, like, then with your third well, ball, you're like, this is where I want to be. And you hit the head Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and I plucked that back, and I'm, I just turn around, and you see my... I go to the next lane, I do my practice slide, you see my face go... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, he did get a strike on his very next box. Good, so. but, but I was like, what was that? I think we all have boxes like that where oh, you're yeah. just like, what am I doing? Absolutely. I just thought it was a fun story to make fun of Jeremy over. That's all. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's what people do. Um, what was what was it like being on TV? Was, did you have more nerves in bowling? Obviously, we talked about you know it's harder to make the show than being on the show. Did you have the jitters? And if so, when did you feel like, okay, it's just bowling. How many boxes did it take to get over the jitters, if at all? I definitely had the jitters. I was very nervous to be on TV. And um, I don't know. I would say maybe after the half, I finally started to calm down a little bit. Yeah. It was just... Did they do two boxes at a time? Or? I think it was two boxes yeah. at a time then. Yeah. Because I know, Jeremy, you've said it even now. If you bowl New England pens, it's usually, what, two boxes? You've... Yeah, it's usually like the, I the first like two boxes. I feel like that's a little better for for your nerves because, like, you're up and down. You yeah. Know, instead of being up there for that whole stretch of the five boxes. Right. and. I think also, too, if you open, I mean, with a spread eagle, whole hole, or one one one, which I think you did on your first bow, right? First I mean, box. First box, rather. Yeah. I think you're if you didn't answer that with a strike... Or you don't come back with a big, you know, what I, I don't know what you had after that. I think your nerves get even worse. If you're yeah. sitting down with 12 after 2, I don't think those nerves go away because you go, well, there's my two boxes. I think yeah, no. you get a mark out of the way you start to... Well, it, I mean, it was like the match I had with Michael Gender um, on New England Candlepins. Yeah. I, I threw an 86 with a mark. It was just, I mean, I got a spare in the first box, and I'm like, okay, like, you know, I'm, I'm good. And then it was just eagle. Eagle, yeah. Oh, yeah. Worcester, Eagle, and then I'm trying to push, and then I'm getting really far behind because he's piling up the marks. And at this point, like I never got comfortable. I never. That was uh, one of the quietest I ever heard. Jay, Dave, and Richie. That was a bad day. Yeah. So. Well, like you said, you start to press after that too. Like you like try to fix it, and I don't know. It's very hard to fix something going wrong while you're in the middle of a match like that. Well, th- there was a lot more. More to it than that. My grandfather had actually passed the day before. Oh boy, yeah. So that's definitely you're not in the and mindset at that. I didn't point. want to be there. I didn't want to be anywhere near this place. But at the same time, if I gave up my spot, he'd have been passed. Yes. Yeah. No. I'm going to tell you, he would have. He absolutely would have. He came to every one of your roll-offs and everything else like that. So I think he needed to be at the alley, regardless of losing to Legender. So. Yeah. To be fair, to credit Mike, he's like, I don't count that. Yeah. He goes, that's not. 
Well, your, your head, if you're, I think this game is like 90% mental. Like a lot of times when those of us like go into like a slump, it's not always mechanics. It could be partly mechanics, but then you kind of, mm -hmm. you can't get out of your own way. And so if you're, you know, dealing with something like that, absolutely, your, your head's not where it needs to be. Yeah, and there's so many times you're bowling and thinking, there was a match I had, um, nowhere near to the level of what Jeremy was going through, but I had just gotten laid off, and I was bowling an ACT, ACST match against Eric Seeger, and he skunked me 14 nothing. Now, he would have beat me regardless. He went, he threw his first ever 600 against me, and I went like 480-something, and all congratulations to him. He bowled out of his skull, but I can tell you the last place I wanted to beat was at a bowling alley. Right. So, And I'm glad he bowled well because I would have been more frustrated looking back if I lost like 480 to 502. So right. I'm glad he bowled well because it made it wasn't a, it didn't make a difference. Right. Yeah. It's definitely, it definitely you have to have, have the mindset, and I think we all do it. We, we I really don't want to go bowling tonight, but yeah. you have that commitment level, so you go. Right. Or I have the match, or what have you. And so it's, it's so long you can put it off right. before you right. go. I got to show up. So Absolutely. I made it. I made up for it the next time. You did. <laughs> you did. Has that ever been released? No, I'm still waiting. Jeremy was a little bit more successful on the next run on New England Candlepins. We won't spoil it. Yeah. But he when, did oh, I did. When is that coming out? Or oh, when is it restarting? That was my question. We're hoping to get it up in the fall, like September, maybe October. Um, and I know Richie Myrick was saying that they don't want to run into Al Johnson's yeah. new show right. either. So I mean, it basically, they're, they're trying to, I mean, it was tough because the studio closed down. For, for COVID and all that stuff, and they got a little bit behind. They're, I think they're putting the finishing touches on it, but... So soon. Yeah. Hopefully. Jeremy will be a retired bowler, and then he'll come out. So. <laughs> yeah, no who would you say, is who's your favorite bowler to either watch or just somebody you looked up to? Um, uh, Goddess McKinley. Uh, she is, she's a really good friend of mine also, but um, she's just one of those, she's very level-headed when she bowls, even if she's having an off game, and she's a great teammate to have. Yeah. I, I bowl with her in a bunch of different things. Um, a kind of funny story about her, when I first met her, which is a little over 20 years ago now, um, it was a Monday league. I had thrown my previous high single of a 193, and it was the New Hampshire record at the time. And four days later, Glennis threw a 202. Of course. <laughs> right in my face, four days later. I didn't even have time to put 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 it in the books. The plaque she, wasn't even mounted on the wall. It had to come down. It was like, four days? Come on. But, I mean, she's a phenomenal bowler. Anyway. Probably in a poison shirt, right? Probably. <laughs> <laughs> now, did you watch anybody growing up when you were bowling that you idolized? Um, no. I mean, I like you. I think you were saying earlier, you didn't watch a lot of bowling on TV. I didn't either. Um, I bowled, but um, right. once I got into the adult leagues, like, I mean, Carol Downey's always one that I, yep. she's just another one, very smooth, very, like, consistent. So she was definitely, like, that level for me growing yep. up. And then when I joined the adult leagues, you know, you had Peg Tosi, you had Beth Richards, you had uh, Deb DeRosia, Deb Regan. So all of them I got to, like, bowl with. I was and gonna, really. I was just thinking about that as you were saying it is, and how many sports can you interview people and they get to play with the people they grew up watching? Yeah. I mean, it's like some of them are, well, I've been teammates with most, if not all of them at this point, which yeah. is also amazing to me. Like to be on a bowl, I bowled in the Ladies Internationals with Peg Tosi, with Glennis, with Deb DeRosia, yeah. uh, with Deb Regan, and like to be their teammate was, it was amazing. Yeah. I mean, my first WCBC event, I, I walk in, I, I was the first, one of the first ones there, and then, you know, I'm, I'm putting my balls on the rack, and next thing, Gary Carrington comes over and puts his balls down. I'm like, oh shit. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, I was nervous as could be. Like, 
I'm like, I don't want to suck. I don't want to like, you know, make myself feel like I don't belong here. And I remember my first box, I had a two pinner. And I plucked it, like I made it, and I'm like, okay, like I feel a little bit better. I, I bowled okay, but I'm just looking around, taking in the atmosphere. I'm like, okay, I'm like, there's Jackie Ray over there. There are the Morgans over there. Like, there's yeah. Sarge, who his last three strings went 5'11. Yeah. Because I remember he went like 140, 170, he, and he finished with a 211. He's another one, actually. I've always loved watching him bowl. He's, he's just crazy good. When he's dialed in, forget it. Like, get off the lanes, like, yeah. get out of here. Yeah, it was I'm like, I don't belong here. <laughs> like, why am I here? And so, it, it, Because but, you didn't watch. You didn't get that starstruck feeling when you bowled against these people? Just, be, like, seeing them bowl. Yeah. But, no, I wasn't, like, not like I know how, mm-hmm. well, how you are with a lot of these bowlers. Like, now I am. Now I'm like, oh, my God, they were amazing. Well, I mean, that was the epitome of, of what our old boss would call a bowling nerd. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> sitting down with your real cheese sandwich Saturday. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah that is, now if I see some of these people, I'm like, well, you mentioned Gary Carrington. He was, I felt the same way the first time he bowled in that Monday Speed League at Park Place. Same time, because he's was... Again, these people that just throw this ball and they're just like so focused and so good. And but he was the nicest ever. And with how competitive he was, like he just was like he was supportive. He was very very nice. Well, I was worried because I heard I had heard stories, you know, about about how he was back in the day. Yeah, yes, right. I've so heard and, some too. and and of course, this big big dude, big staff, you know. Yeah. And I was I was I was terrified. Yeah. I was absolutely terrified. God, I wish all that stuff was filmed to go back. Yeah, right. <laughs> but and then later on, you know, he would. I think it was a canal. I should have won the high single, but I didn't put in. And Dottie goes over. He goes, "Oh, Gary, here's your high single." He's, "Well, what are you talking about?" He's, uh, Jer- <laughs> Jeremy won the high single. And she's, "Oh, you didn't. You didn't get in it." Oh, thanks a lot. <laughs> and he th- like throws a five, and he's like, yeah, "Have a beer." <laughs> <laughs> Gary just bought me a beer. <laughs> that, in, that in of itself is amazing. Yeah, like, yes. it's more than a lot of people can say. <laughs> well, thank you for coming on. We really appreciate it. Yeah, no, thank, thank you for you. having this, me. This was, this was a lot of fun. Well, as always, it was a pleasure to talk to Amy. Yeah, definitely. I mean, just to get that perspective from female bowler and to hear the state of the game. I mean, we've talked about it before of how many people were on the tour, male and female. And I think just a numbers game the female bowlers kind of got hit a little bit harder you know you go from 200 to 100 you still have a solid base you go from 100 to 50 or 50 to 25 it becomes a lot harder to fill leagues and to fill tournaments and things like right, that and right. your your web becomes wider and wider you're asking people to drive further and further and it is tough and and i know there's a lot of women amy's one of them that are trying to change that a little bit and get more women excited to bowl and get them bowling at exeter and things like that so that perspective was really cool to see and, and hear about yeah no it was nice it was nice to get a female perspective on like like we've said i mean it's a touchy subject it is and you know i i know sometimes it could be taboo sometimes people can say things in the wrong way or you know maybe we need to host more but if we don't get the numbers and we're not doing it anymore i mean I, i've said as much even with handicap or scratch events i mean there's always right. been a call for more scratch tournaments but then and i know jim hunter is trying to run a doubles and we'll talk about that a doubles uh five or seven at cpl and he's struggling to fill it and yeah, I, think I think he has like 15 teams right now yeah and he's got a couple of main teams i think which is fantastic to get main bowlers to drive all the way out and somebody posted like have you thought about switching it to handicap but the offside to that is based on the caliber of bowlers that are coming down from Maine, i don't think they're going to make that drive for a handicap tournament right so you're going to lose some and you have to look at what your end goal is is your goal to just 
host tournaments to cater to certain groups or is your goal to just bang out every tournament as much as possible and that's where it kind of becomes a fine line so right. i i think there's room for both i agree i agree uh, i think sometimes you have to temper your expectations and and maybe that's where we go and maybe you know you start doing some of these tournaments and build off of it and you know some of the women bowl in it and say you know they had a good time they only get six and then next time they get eight maybe 12 then 15 and then the money starts coming in sometimes that's all it needs it just needs some momentum right so what do we have for tournaments coming up well, um, in August, we had on Friday the 13th, we actually had Cheech's wedding. I haven't gotten any results from that yet. I was going to say, do we know who won that one? I'm going to guess it was Cheech. I think everybody won. <laughs> that, it looked, we all won. It looked like a blast. It looked like everybody had a really good time. I was surprised that there was a Cheech's event shortly after that with Dave Dorman, Nick Leach, uh, Nate Lees, and Freshie. I think they might have all been at that wedding, and I'm wondering how many of those people were hungover. Yeah, I'm pretty sure all of them were. Yeah, and I know Corey Packer was there eating ice cream, apparently, according to the stats, which that's what I was trying to focus on is how how many ice creams he had, what flavor ice cream he had. Those were the important burning questions that I needed to know. Yes. Anybody? No. So Nick Leach uh, leads the pack with 573. Nate Lees with a 565. And those two will move on. So now they're going to be in round four. How many? So we have to figure this out now. So they had the round of 64. That was round one. Yeah. Round two is 32. Round three, they were down to 16. So now they're going to be down to the round of eight. Yes. Now, are you focusing on this? Are you watching like who's left? I'm not going to quiz you on it. But I'm, honestly, there's too much going on right now. So I think once it gets down to the final eight is when I'm going to start paying close attention. And for people who don't know, the winner of the spring Chicha is going to bowl against Jeremy Seaholm, the winner of the fall champion. I think you got an extra grand riding on that, if I'm not mistaken. Or is it 500? Something like that. But loser has I, to as pay far for as bowling. I know, I, I think I think it's a thousand. But yeah, uh, loser pays for bowling. Right. So I mean, that's that's exciting. So I mean, and Lori Lewis is still yeah in the hunt too. She's the only female that signed up in the in the. I know some people said it shouldn't be called the men's bracket if there's a woman in it, but I mean, she's right. she's crushing it. She took down three of our bowlers. She did well. Justin uh, Waters stayed alive too, but I'm just like it was three uh, Millis bowlers against Lori Lewis, and she uh, she got Sean Taylor out of there and got Fournier Fournier out of there. Yeah. So I mean. You know, she's crushing it. I think she's down to the field of 16 because I think that might have been the first round of three yeah. um, that they had. So it's good to see it's starting to whittle down. It's You're starting to see like the 10 stringers, like the cream, cream is rising to the top. Yes. You know, and, I, and I'm not to name names and I'm not saying it happened this tournament, but I think sometimes like a bowler, like I was only six pins shy. A bowler can squeak through one round, maybe two. At a certain point, you're not squeaking right, through right, three, right, four right. rounds. Like at a certain point, you're going to throw that 5-0 or whatever and get the hell out of there. So right. I think we're going to, especially once we get to 16, then like you said, eight, you're going to start to see who the yeah. who the real threats are. Exactly. And not to say that anybody isn't a threat here, but that we're only seeing the, the cream rise to the top here. So back to August. Yeah. Oh, that's where we were. Oh, uh, let's see. So. Obviously, Cheech's wedding was a success. There was supposed to be a nine pin ten stringer at Big Twenty. I we didn't see any results on that. Yeah, that might be on us. Sometimes yeah. there's a lot going on. A lot of stuff gets posted, and if if there was something posted and we missed it, you know, we'll definitely talk about it next week. So apologize for that. I did try to get something on it, but it was a little last minute. So our bad if if it was posted, but we'll try to give it a recap next week if we get some more information on that. Yeah. Uh, Saturday the twenty first, we have the twenty stringer at Lita. It's the last leg of the Triple Crown. On Sunday the 22nd, we have the King of the Hill spare time. I believe, I want to say, I, I think it's 10 and 12 yeah. that, that are the two shifts. I'm not 100% Reach sure. Reach out to Eric Bromberg or Mark Moon if you... There it is. Reach out to Eric Bromberg or Mark Moon if you want any more information on that. I 
Don't know if it typically, I don't think it fills out, especially the scratch. I don't think that one bangs out like the, the I think, was it the 10-stringer they did that they yeah. pretty much filled. So I think you can still get on that one if you're looking to find an event to bowl in. It's a great house. Uh, a lot of people like it. I know it's got a Pro Series event. So reach out to one of them, too, if you're looking to get on that list. Yeah. And then the 28th and 29th, the Saturday and Sunday, there's a mixed doubles tournament at 1710. Nice. So they got more stuff coming yep. that way as well. And speaking of, we, we use, so everybody knows, we use the Candlepin calendar that Lexi makes. And Lexi's running the 20 stringer. It's a big 20 string tournament. There we go. Did I save that? No, <laughs> thanks. Um, we actually, uh, I'll announce this a little out of turn. We have Lexi coming in next week. That's awesome. So we'll talk a little bit about the calendar, about Lita Lanes, how her family got involved in that, and how the Triple Crown even came to be. Because I know you, you think of a 20-stringer, I think immediately you got to think of Easter Classic. Right. So I mean, right. I mean, that's that that's the only 20-stringer I've ever known of. Yeah. And so immediately you think of Lita. So I think it's really good that they found a way to get another 20 stringer in there and it didn't seem forced right it didn't seem like they just threw it on a random day to say like well we want to be the only ones they they found a way to make it creative and i don't want to steal the story but lexi went into the whole why they came up with the triple crown and i, I thought it was a great story I but agree. rolling into uh september september 11th i don't see anything for the fourth or the fifth yet but the that's labor day weekend so that kind of right. makes sense but september 11th we have two tournaments king of the hill masons um mike nardone is the current king of the hill at mason's i don't know if he's gonna go i'm trying to talk him into going back but he also has a problem with the pro series double knockout at bolarama in portsmouth the first pro series event so i know he's saying that that's a lot of bowling we're working on jeremy and i are working on something for that we'll see if that goes through as planned it's gonna be a very long day if so on the 12th we have the mixed teams at exeter also the king of the river is making a return i don't know if i hit that uh, at the end, well enough. River. Enough. River. River. Um, but uh, they do a great job. And that seems like, not that Mark Ricci wasn't doing a great job with it, he was, but Eddie Florentino really kind of went in there and took over as like a de facto marketing director. And right. I love when he wins and he just gets so mouthy. <laughs> and he's got like, I love you, Eddie, but he's got like a 94 average and he's calling out Winchell. He's calling out Fuller. Like he <laughs> he has no fear. <laughs> and he's just, but every time I call him out on it or whatever on Facebook, he it's always in good fun. It's just to get the people to come down i think right. it's great i think it's absolutely great we have the best five of seven as we were talking earlier at cpl we also have candle pins for cancer roll off at academy lanes al johnson's running that one i know he's got like a google spreadsheet that he's using to get people in that yeah we're gonna have him in pretty soon too that's awesome so when when uh we get that nailed down you guys are probably gonna find out the same time i found out because that was somewhat news to me <laughs> and uh king of the hill at Agawam for you West Coast bowlers out there. And then I think Phil Clough posted there was like duck pin tour stopping. And I kind of felt bad because if you look back, if you've been following the post, Jim Hunter was trying so hard to find a day. He had the 12th, but I think the mixed teams and extra. So he moved it to the 19th. And I remember when I posted like what's going on because looking for an outrun the bear day, he posted, he goes, I'm not changing the date again. And that just seems like the 19th was the day everybody yeah. wanted. And, you know, it's it's a great idea for a tournament of five or seven doubles. I'm hoping it, it gets a last minute surge, which sometimes happens, especially in the scratch. And speaking of scratch on September 25th, outrun the bear scratch singles. We still have plenty of room for that. I think we have roughly 60 bowlers signed up for that. And then another King of the Hill, because I think they do it the last Sunday of it's either the fourth or the last, depending on, I don't know. But they do one every month. So King of the Hill spare time on September 26th. So that's all we have. I know uh, if you it's have any stuff, <laughs> it is a lot of stuff. I know I don't see an October calendar posted yet, but I know it, it. And Lexi said this on the podcast, but I want to reiterate it. If you have a tournament, and you post about it. 
she said she doesn't get care if she gets tagged a thousand times like tag her in those posts we need to have a place where we have all these tournaments mm-hmm. one so we can talk about them on our podcast it makes our life a lot easier but two just so you know what's out there right and i think too you know i was talking about doing it here and i think i can do it right now is if you work or run a bowling alley or a bowling center print it out and hang it up somewhere i think it's really good to, for the house bowlers to see what's out there so yep. and we're all just trying to help each other out so i think that's all I have. We announce the next guest because usually I, I run that one at the end, but I think that's all I have for my spare thoughts. That's all I have. All right. Well, till next week.